let's turn to the Word of God and to the Epistle to the Ephesians and chapter 6. Chapter 6 of the Epistle to the Ephesians. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayst live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of, of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service, as to the Lord, and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect in persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. <clears throat> Wherefore, take unto you the whole armour of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. May God bless to us this reading from his inerrant word. To his name be praise and glory. Amen. Thank you very much indeed, Mr. Byrne, for that uh, excellent, kind introduction uh, to the meeting here tonight. It was a great privilege for me today to 
visit the Christian Institute. Um, I was asked if I would like to see around, and uh, I said, oh yes, I would certainly like to see around, uh, but I didn't realize that I was going to get such an excellent conducted tour, and it was most fascinating, really, to see the tremendous work that has been done there, all the the labor that goes into um, the, the literature that they produce, the, the research that is done, the files that they are keeping. Um, it's, it's an amazing organization. I, I was most impressed. And I think uh, return back to Scotland with, with a message of the wonderful work that the Christian Institute are doing. I think the, the churches and the people of God, and not just the people of God, but uh, the unconverted people too in this land owe a great debt to the Christian Institute for the great stand that it has made for what is of most value in our Christian culture. We owe them a great debt. Tonight I've been asked to speak on the fifth commandment. Honour thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. I think it's true to say that never has this commandment been more despised than it is today. If you were to think of the cultures of the past, for example, the Chinese culture or the Greek culture or the Roman culture, and to compare it with our Western culture today, if you were to think of the other societies in the world, the Hindus or the Islamic societies, and contrast it with our own society in Britain, can you think of anywhere where this commandment is more trampled upon than in Britain and in our Western world today? Let's begin by thinking about the need that we have to listen to this commandment. Basically, the relevance of this commandment, the problems in our society today. Think, for example, of the education system in Britain. The education system encourages children to self-expression. It encourages them to think that they know a great deal and that they know just as much as their teachers, basically. They are the equal of their teachers. Children are encouraged not to sit and learn and listen, but rather to tell what they know. And furthermore, teachers if they are going to get a listening, must be entertainers. Something is wrong. Children should be learning, should feel it their responsibility to learn, should sit at the feet of teachers, but instead it's been turned around. When we come to children's rights, there you have another problem today. You have lawyers and others who are encouraging children with the idea that they have certain rights, just as much rights as adults. Why do adults, why do teachers and parents push them around? And so children are, um, through these lawyers, going to the European Court of Human Rights. There's something wrong there, isn't there? Children, children's rights, what rights do parents have? Very little in comparison to children's rights. Then think of the area of physical discipline. When I began school and went through school, there was discipline. In Scotland, there was a belt. I believe there was a cane in England. And there was respect for the teachers. Children wouldn't swear at teachers, wouldn't... um, stand up to teachers in that way and um, tell teachers how much they hated them, as the children do quite commonly, at least in schools in Scotland, I suppose it's quite common down here too. 
But there was, there was discipline. But now, physical discipline is forbidden in school. Uh, there's talk even of banning teachers from shouting at children. My own children have laughed at the idea of the poor teacher in a bulletproof box in the middle of a classroom where all the, the, the children are hanging from the lights, completely out of control. How can you control children today? And there's talk of not allowing schools to um, expel children. Well, what can you do to get the child to sit down and listen? And of course, you'll be aware that uh, there's this law going through Parliament at the moment. Tomorrow, um, they will be debating this law to ban parents from smacking their own children. Or rather, if parents cause any redness or any tenderness upon their children or any um, emotional hurt to their children, these um, parents can find themselves guilty before the law courts. There's something far wrong in our society, isn't there? Think of another area, contraceptives. Children, children under the age of 16 can go to the doctor and without their parents' consent get contraceptives. And one even hears from time to time of um, children, young girls, getting abortions without their, parent, their parents knowing about it. Parents, parents are left to pick up the pieces to try and sort out all the um, psychological problems and the spiritual problems. And the children supported by the government, basically, in rebellion. We think of the change that there has been in the youth culture since the 1960s, rebellion against authority, rebellion against society, how this is illustrated in music, and rock music, in um, art, the forms of art that there is nowadays, modern art, rebellion against what is beautiful, dance, sexual activity, and so on. A youth culture in rebellion. Something else. Youth idolized. Even in the church, youth is idolized nowadays. A successful church is not measured by the number of wise old men and women who are in it, but rather how many young people are in the church. The successful church is the church with the big youth program, the church with youth services, where the young people are the ones who teach and the young people are the ones who read and who sing and who preach and the music is for the young. The youth are idolised. There's something wrong there. You don't find that taught in scripture, the idolizing of the youth. But that's our society today. There was a day when children were to be seen and not heard. But now it would seem that the old are to be seen and not heard. I found it very interesting some years ago to go to South Africa and there to visit um, some black churches. And one of the things that shocked me was um, present in the church, they, they had in this church, they had a meal. And the meal was cooked up by the ladies in the church. And then we sat down for the meal. And the adults sat down and had their meal while the children stood around and watched. And then when the adults had finished their meal, then the children were fed. And it seemed so strange to me coming from our Western world. Because in our Western world, what do we do? We're always fussing around the children. Children first, and then adults at the end. 
Honour thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Surely this commandment is relevant. It's speaking to our society, and our society is not listening. It's speaking to our churches, and our churches are not listening. Let's turn then from looking at the relevance of the commandment to think about the place of the family. Remember some years ago, Conservative government under John Major, he had this back to basics campaign, return to family values. It sounded great. It was exciting. The importance of the family. And as Christians, we would agree wholeheartedly. But it failed. It failed because of the hypocrisy of so many of our members of parliament and particularly of our government. Saying one thing, and oh, how the media loved to talk about their lives, their private lives. And it's no use preaching something you don't practice. That was part of the problem. And the other problem was, of course, the loss of nerve due to the vocal minorities. Certain vocal pressure groups in our society. And it's so hard for our members of parliament and our government to stand up to these vocal minorities and pressure groups. From the Bible's point of view, the family is fundamental. It's the basic unit of society. If the family is healthy, society is healthy. And society will never be healthy unless there are healthy families. It's families that make communities and that make society. Remember when God created Adam and Eve. God first created Adam. And he looked at Adam and he said, It is not good for man that he should be alone. And so he created Eve. He formed her, you remember, as Matthew Henry put it, from a rib out of Adam's side. Took that rib, shaped it and moulded it into a woman. And Adam looked at her and said, Bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. As Matthew Henry said, not from his head to rule over him, not from his feet to be trampled upon by him, but from his side to be his companion, near to his heart, to be loved. Adam and Eve, the first basic family. And to them, God said, be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth and subdue it. Take control. Rule this world. Shape it, mould it. Follow in my footsteps. Be like your creator. Ruling this world. But you remember how our first parents sinned and fell from that estate wherein they were created. How they came under the wrath and curse of God, cast out from Eden and from the presence of the Lord. You remember God's curse upon them, but in the curse there was a blessing. God's curse to the serpent. The seed of the woman shall bruise the serpent's head. Serpent, Satan, the seed of the woman, Christ. Christ shall crush the serpent's head. The curse upon Adam, by the sweat of thy face. Yes, you will have to sweat. But by the sweat of thy face, thou shalt eat bread. You are to work, Adam, and to provide for your family. And it will involve sweat and toil, but you shall eat bread. God will provide. So there was the gospel. 
the seed of the woman who was going to come to crush Satan. And then there was the providence, the provision, the provision for the family. The man sweating, but together they eat bread. And then the woman, the sorrow and the pain she would have in childbearing. Yes, the curse, the pain, but at the same time, the wonder of it, a child born. And what a wonderful thing that is to see a child in our own image. Part of us, a real, live human being, come from us, like us, sharing our bodies, and with a never-dying soul. There's something wonderful in that. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children. The family was there. Notice the family as these curses coming down, yes, but there's a gospel for the family, a saviour for the family, yes, and there is one who will provide food for the family and children will be born into the family. As we go on through the Old Testament, we read of the days of the flood and of this godly man, Noah, who preached for 120 years. And his message was rejected. Apart from his family. Notice the Christian family. Noah and his wife and his three sons and their three wives. They entered the ark and these eight were saved. The family again. We come to Abraham. Called out of Ur of the Chaldees to follow God. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will be a God unto thee and thou shalt be my servant. And Abraham went out and his wife and also his nephew Lot. And they went to the promised land and you are the family. The family moving around and they were prospering. And Abraham said to Lot, choose where you want to go. And Lot chose to go and pitch his tent towards wicked Sodom. He shouldn't have. shouldn't have left the side of Abraham, that blessed family. Even although it was difficult, even although they might not have prospered that much. They had plenty. But oh, he looked at the lush pastures and he thought of the wealth that he would gain in Sodom. And eventually his home was in Sodom. And one day he had to leave that home. And everything he had behind and it was all burnt up. And he found himself alone. Even having lost his wife. Just with two of his daughters. The family is stressed as so important. And God revealing himself to the family. To Abraham and to his household. And then... Abraham and Sarah in their old age have a son. When Sarah is 90, Abraham 100, a miracle child is born, Isaac. Laughter. Bringing laughter and joy with him. When Sarah dies, Abraham sends a servant to Haran to get a wife for Isaac. And then Isaac takes this wife and brings her to his mother's tent and he is comforted and he loves Rebecca. And then Jacob and Esau are born. Jacob, the family, the 12 patriarchs. And then when he dies, Joseph, getting the place of the firstborn, looks after the family. And so you see the family going on down through generations and God revealing himself to the family I am your God and the God of your seed. And God's covenants are always covenants with his people and their children. Right down through the Old Testament you see that. We come to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments. And as one person, one writer I read pointed out, four of the commandments refer to the family. Well, there's this commandment, the fifth one, honour thy father and thy mother. And then there's the seventh one, thou shalt not commit adultery. 
sex within the family. Marriage is honourable and all, and the bed undefiled. Whoremongers and adulterers, God, God will judge. And then there's the eighth commandment. Property. We must not add to our family property by taking from other families their property. The tenth commandment. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The family can be seen in these four commandments. In Deuteronomy 21, verse 18 and following, we read of the disobedient son. The disobedient son, the delinquent son. The parents tried to correct him, to chastise him. What should they do? They were to take that son to the elders and then the people were to stone him with stones. There were to be no juvenile delinquents in Israel so that all Israel might fear and follow the Lord. It's interesting comparing Leviticus 24.16 and Exodus 21.17. The Leviticus verse talks about the death penalty for blasphemy. The Exodus passage talks about the death penalty for cursing your father or mother. They're related, aren't they? Blaspheming God or cursing your father or mother. Where does the authority of the father and mother come from? It comes from God. God is the source of all authority. It is divine. It comes from him. To curse your father or mother was a sin, a crime that in Israel deserved the death penalty, just as to blaspheme God was. The family unit was of vital importance. When we come into the New Testament, again, we see the stress upon the family. Think, for example, of Jesus. Jesus, our Saviour. We stress above all else his death on the cross. But at the same time, we also stress his example given to us. We are to be followers of him. When he was 12 years old, brought up to the temple, he stayed on for two days, three days, arguing with the um, doctors of the law in the temple. His parents didn't know he was there. They'd gone a day's journey. Then they came back to Jerusalem a day's journey. And then they were hunting for a day all around Jerusalem. Where is Jesus? And eventually they found him in the temple. And they expressed their displeasure towards him. But he, re he replied, Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? Did you not know what I was doing? But then we're told that he went back with them to Galilee and was subject to them. The example subject to them. At the end of his life, Jesus dying on the cross, looks down, sees Mary his mother and John, the apostle. Mother, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. And that disciple took her to his own house from, from then on. His care even as he was dying on the cross for his mother, Mary. Remember too how Jesus criticised the Pharisees for their teaching, their hypocrisy. They would speak of him, criticising him for not following their traditions. But he said, Think of what you do to the law of God. God says, honour your father or mother. And you say, it is Corban. I'll give it to the, the temple. Corban, that meant that some money, something that might have helped poor parents was dedicated to the temple. So that 
the individual who dedicated it could keep it for some time using that money or whatever, but eventually would give it to the temple. Didn't have to give it to his parents because he had dedicated it to the temple. And his parents were neglected for the sake of the church. Now that's wrong. That's wrong. Charity begins at home. We must look after our own. We must look after those whom God has given us. And we must show love to them and provide for them. Remember how, to, how, how um, God said through Samuel to Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. But Christ at the same time placed limits upon obedience to parents. Remember how he said, He that loveth his father or his mother more than me cannot be my disciple. If a father or mother will stand in our way, then if they will try and keep us from Christ and from following the Saviour, we must follow God rather than men. Jesus taught that quite clearly. Paul's teaching was the same. We read together in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents, yes. There is a qualification, of course, in the Lord. You are obeying God first. And then as you obey God, you obey your parents. Paul says, if a man will not provide for his own family, he is worse than an infidel, worse than a heathen. 1 Timothy 5 verse 8. Yes, we must provide for our own. And verse 10 of that chapter says that to bring up children is a good work. If one of the widows had brought up children... She was to be praised for that. It's just a great work because the family is so important. And it's such an important work to bring up children for the Lord. That's a great work. Happy, healthy families lead to a happy, healthy society, a happy, healthy country. Now I want us to look at some modern attacks on the family. Think, for example, first of all, of the Civil Partnership Bill. This bill wants to confer the rights of marriage, the rights and benefits, as it were, of marriage upon homosexual couples, lesbian couples, and so on they are to be regarded as married in all but name. This bill will be debated in the next few weeks further. What is that doing? It is undermining marriage. It is regarding marriage as just a partnership, a partnership based upon sexual lust. But what is marriage? Marriage is an institution of God. It is something that God made. And God gave at the beginning. Right back there in the Garden of Eden where God performed the first marriage. Bringing Adam and Eve together. Whom God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. That's how Christ referred to marriage. And in every marriage, God is present. Whom God hath brought together, let not man put asunder. Marriage is an ordinance of God. It is special. And it is vital to the good of society. It is essential for healthy children and happy children. So that civil partnership bill is an attack on marriage 
and an attack on the family. It's trying to undermine marriage. And then in our society today, secondly, we have easy divorce. When I grew up in Stornoway in the Western Isles, marriage was for life. Divorce was very rare. There were occasional people who were divorced, but it was very rare. Nowadays, every second person is divorced. Marriage has been destroyed. And children's lives are been destroyed. The stability is gone. Parents have a minor disagreement. And instead of working through it, instead of seeking help to overcome it, they just go their separate ways. Or maybe one parent feels a bit fed up with our marriage, feels lust for somebody else. And so the marriage breaks down and away they go. I was hearing just recently through a friend of um, a Christian church down here in, in, in England and um, a good evangelical church. And in this church there was a young couple. And this young couple, um, both professing Christians, were attending the church. Some in the church were a little concerned that they weren't showing a great deal of interest and commitment. But then recently, um, the wife had been showing increasing interest in coming along to prayer meetings and Bible studies and things were looking up. But the husband had to go away on a training course. And in the middle of the training course, off he went with somebody for two or three days, way up to Scotland to Fort William, spent some some nights with a woman up there. And then he came back, came back home, thinking all was fine. Well, I just had an affair. Um, there was nothing in it. It was just, just playing around. And he expected his wife to receive him back. And he was horrified when she wouldn't. And then the elders from the church came along and the elders were going to discipline him. And he found this so shocking. But everyone is involved in affairs. It's going on all the time. What's this big deal about? It's so sad to see how marriage has been undermined. So sad to see how our society is changing. Easy divorce. And then permissiveness. Multiple partners. Not getting married. Or after they get married, affairs. And all this destroying marriage and children are seen as just accessories another attack on the family comes from state education and the philosophies connected with it the idea is that the state is the true parent the state knows what should be taught to the children and what should not be taught. You mustn't teach creation to the children. You mustn't teach Christianity to the children. You mustn't teach about sin and hell. That would be indoctrination. It's all right to indoctrinate them in atheism, but certainly not in Christianity. So that's another problem area. And a further attack is made on, on um, the family in an area I've touched on before, and that is discipline. The intrusion of legislation into the family, anti-smacking legislation. So we have all these attacks on the family. I want us to come now to look at in the fourth place, to look at the duty of children towards their parents. Honour thy father and thy mother. Honour means respect, reverence, fear, in the good sense of fear, 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, that loving respect for God. That's where wisdom starts. And children are to have that loving respect for their parents. That's God's order, that parents should rule and children should obey. And should obey their parents as to the Lord, as obeying the Lord, because the parent has been placed in that position by the Lord and has authority from the Lord to teach, to guide, to rule the children. And from thinking of children respecting and honouring parents, we, go on, we, we move on to another idea, that of respecting those who are older. It's interesting to see the respect for those who are older that you find in the scriptures. For example, Leviticus 19.32, to honour the hoary head, the grey head. It's very interesting in our society today that so often when grey hairs appear, people think it's a disaster. People are so terrified of grey hairs and want to discolour them, get rid of the grey hairs. But really, if we are going to be biblical, what could be more honouring than grey hairs? It's a sign of glory. It's something to be really proud of. Honouring the grey head. It is something to be really proud of. Leviticus 19.32. Read it for yourself. The younger are to submit to the elder. 1 Peter 5 verse 5. Again, the same idea. Older people are to be honoured. That's the way it should be in God's church. That's the way it should be in a God-ordered society. Respect for the old, the older people. And then moving on from that, the idea too of respect for teachers, respect for the boss at work, respect for the government and government officials. Think, for example, of Psalm 82. Their magistrates are called gods. Gods. Judges and magistrates called gods. That is because they have authority from God. They are God's officials to guide, to rule, to lead, to judge. And they are to be respected. We are to respect the police. We are to respect the courts of law. Not an unqualified respect, of course. We are to obey God rather than men. Acts 4. So... First of all, we obey God. But yet, within that, we are to show respect in those, to those whom God has set over us. Honour and humility is required, too, of young people. <clears throat> young folk, even although they might be very gifted, very intelligent, brilliant, yet they lack the experience of life. And there is much knowledge to be gained by the experience of life. True knowledge and true understanding and true wisdom. Honour thy father and thy mother. Now, we've looked at the duty of children. I would like, fifthly, to look at the duty of parents. Parents have a duty. God has given you children... And he has given you these children to bring up for him. Train up a child in the way that he shall walk. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I touched earlier upon the covenants of God. The covenant with Noah. The covenant with Abraham. The covenants with Israel. The covenant with David. You and your seed. You and your children. God's people are important to God, but not just God's people. God's people's children are also special to God. And that's something wonderful. 
You get it in the New Testament too. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. The promise is to you and to your children and to those that are afar off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. The promise of what? The promise of salvation, the promise of the Holy Spirit, and the promises to you, you who repent and believe, to you and to your children. A special place there. And we are to look for our children, to be blessed, and to seek their salvation from God. It's not inevitable, of course, that they will be blessed. But yet we are to look for it and to long for it and yearn for it and pray for it and work for it. God has given us children and our duty is to bring these up for the Lord. God gives to the father a headship in the family, but he gives to both parents a role. Honour thy father and thy mother. Both parents have the roles of prophet, priest and king to their own family. Prophets, the parents are to teach their children. Priests, the parents are to pray for their children. Kings, the parents are to rule and guide their children. Family religion is very important. And a home where there is proper family religion is a blessed home. In training up children, it must not be forgotten that one of the most important things is a godly example. It's useless to give the best of teaching to your children if you are not consistent in your life. Children are very perceptive and they're watching you all the time. And that's why it's so important to seek God's grace, to live godly lives before our children. And surely there is nothing that makes the impact upon our children so great as a godly example. So God has given us children to train up, to bring up for him. Paul also warns us about provoking our children to wrath. We read that in Ephesians 6, didn't we? Provoke not your children to wrath. It's possible to be too harsh, too demanding upon your children. It's possible to fail to encourage them. To note the good that they do and to appreciate it. You can be oppressive in the discipline, far too strict. Paul talks about fathers who chastened us for their own pleasure. There's something wrong there. He says, yes, we gave them reverence, but there's something wrong there. Disciplining our children should hurt us just as much as them. And all discipline should be done in love. And done in love, it will be blessed. We must beware of favoritism. Children hate favoritism. And they're very sensitive over it. Things like that will provoke our children to wrath. So we need to be careful. The balance is very difficult. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod, hateth his, his son. If we don't correct our children, we hate them. Very strong language. Eli. He had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. He didn't discipline them correctly. He gave them mild rebukes. The result was that they were wicked, and so wicked that the Lord destroyed them in one day. And not only that, but their godly father Eli, he too came to his end that day. 
under the judgment of God, the chastening of the Lord. Godly man though he was, and the priesthood was taken from Eli's family because he did not correct and discipline his children. David too suffered because of failure to discipline his children. Think of Absalom, how he failed to discipline Absalom, who murdered his own brother Amnon. And eventually Absalom tried to murder David himself. David had to flee for his life. There's a duty then for parents, a duty to discipline your children, not too harshly, lovingly, and yet not too leniently either. Love covers a multitude of sins, and where that is missing, discipline will fail and teaching will fail. There must be love in the teaching, loving, praying, expecting. As I think back in my own life, I thank God for my parents. And I believe under God they were the means of my salvation. I thank God for how my mother loved me and made me feel that if I went astray and rebelled, she would die of disappointment. It would bring her grey hairs down to the grave in sorrow. That love and that earnest pleading was so important. By God's grace, it was blessed to each one of her children. I thank God, too, that as I grew older, the role that my father had in teaching me and instructing me in theology and in the, the, the great truths of God's word as I would discuss these things with him. And he would talk to me about these things. Both had their own strong points and both contributed to my upbringing. The duty of parents. We have a great privilege as parents to have children, but a great responsibility to bring them up for the Lord. And I want to notice special difficulties, sixthly, in bringing up children today. One of the problems is the society in which we live. I suppose all societies have been contrary to Christianity and difficult. But our society is particularly difficult. And I think the reason for that is things like television. Television that brings in all the values of society into the home. And there they are constantly being portrayed before us as the norm and constantly as parents we have to battle against that negative impact of television and of the rest of the media newspapers, magazines radio internet all these things presenting a rejection of God and a rejection of the teachings of God's word. Everywhere presented to us is the idea that evolution is fact. Obscurantists don't believe in evolution. Everyone else does. Every scientist believes in evolution. Evolution is fact. And that message keeps on being put across by the media. Keeps on being put across by the schools. And so, young people growing up are constantly subjected to it. And along with that comes the thought, life is just chance. The universe came by some explosion thousands of millions of years ago. And man came from some strange chemical reaction that took place in a muddy pool upon this earth. Life is chance. And so 
You don't have to remember your creator. And there is no judgment day. Eat, drink, and be merry. Tomorrow you die. That is something that we have constantly to fight against. And it creates (coughs) great difficulties for us as parents. And yet, it's so important for us to resist these harmful influences from society. Something else that society teaches is that there's no such a thing as original sin. You see a little baby, a little toddler. Oh, they're so innocent, these beautiful little babies. And you in the church, you teach that these babies are sinners, born in sin, shapen in iniquity. These lovely little babies. Well, that is what the Bible teaches us. They are sinners. Born in sin. They're not little angels. And as young people grow up, it's not just a little bit of encouragement that they need. They need correction. And they need repentance. They need their way of thinking to be changed. And they must be born again. Yeah, there are all these influences in society that we must contend with. And there's peer group pressure. It can be so strong for children 13, 14, 15, 16 year olds. Particularly girls, I think, even more so. How difficult it can be to be different. And yet our children must be different. If they're not different, carried away with a flood. We have to strengthen our children to stand. To stand against this tremendous pressure that is upon them to conform. Be one of the group. Do what we do. Enjoy what we enjoy. Dress the way we dress. Be one of us. And if you're not one of us, you're an outsider. You're regarded as a leper. And that can be very difficult. So that's another problem as we try to bring up our children. And then interference also from social workers. And perhaps even from the police and courts, government. From time to time one hears of Christian parents who are trying their best to bring up their children Someone makes a complaint. Maybe a totally malicious complaint. Perhaps a teacher or a social worker. And then this family is investigated. Maybe the child is taken into care. Or maybe there's a split in the marriage. And um, one party in the marriage who's not a Christian, maybe, or is a Christian and has backslidden, makes complaints against the other party. And a loving mother may be trying her best to bring up her children for the Lord and the children are taken away from her. These things can be very, very hard to to cope with. So there are these special difficulties in bringing up children today. But I want to end on a positive note. This commandment has a promise connected with it. Honour thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Children, honour your parents that your days will be long and will be blessed and will be happy and all other things being equal, those who honour their parents, not just as children, but also as adults, Because there's no limit to it. Honour thy father and thy mother in their old age as well. Love them and care for them and do what you can for them. That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth you. All other things being equal, you will live long and have a blessed life. Sometimes though it's God's will to take obedient um, parent honouring children home to be with himself. But one thing you can be sure of is that those
who love the Lord and love their parents and honour them, they will live a long life forevermore in heaven, blessed by God forevermore. And as parents, let us also remember that as we diligently and faithfully try our best to bring up our children for the Lord, we will have happy homes and blessed homes. And there is no experience so thrilling as to see your children coming to a conscious, saving knowledge of Christ, loving him and following him, finding the pearl of great price. What does it matter if our children, even if they don't succeed in education, even if they don't get on in the world of business, what does it matter even if their looks are not that great or if they're not so good at sport or if they're not so successful and wealthy in the world? But there's one thing that really does matter. If they don't have Christ, what else matters? What shall it profit a man though he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? And friends, what a wonderful blessing it is to see our children following the Lord. So we must do everything in our power, trusting in God for help, seeking strength from him and wisdom from him to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, in the instruction and discipline of the Lord. And God's blessing will be upon us.